Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Good morning, Northridge. Hey, today we're going to wrap up a long conversation that we've been having about going all in with Jesus. How many of you would say that that you took a step forward in your walk with Christ because of something you heard, experienced, or discussed throughout this series? Anybody? Does that describe you? Okay, awesome. Hey, that's, that's what it's all about, okay? Taking a step closer in your walk with Christ. Hey, before we dive into this last message of the series, I do wanna tell you about a new series that we're gonna kick off in just two weeks, okay? This series is gonna be called How Are You Really Doing? This is gonna be a conversation all about mental health. Okay, we're gonna be talking about anxiety, we're gonna be talking about depression, we're gonna be talking about comparisons, and we're gonna be talking about so much more. Listen, whether you're personally navigating the struggle of mental health, or whether you're walking along somebody who is, man, I hope you will tune in and hang out with us through this life-changing conversation that is gonna help you grow closer to Jesus through that. Hey, before we launch that series, we'll, uh, we'll post some things up online. We would love it if you would like it, share it, send it to a friend, because there's a lot of people in this community that desperately need to hear what we're gonna be talking about throughout the month of October. All right, last week we talked about Acts chapter two. Okay, after thousands and thousands of people decided to give their life to Jesus, we talked about what happened next. They devoted themselves to the church. And their devotion to the church transformed the world around them. But today we're gonna continue the conversation in Acts chapter two, but we're gonna back up a few verses and we're gonna talk about the explosion of growth that happened in the early church. And through the things that we learn in this story, man, we're gonna seek to duplicate it right here and right now in this place. Let's pray before we jump into things. Heavenly Father, we're excited about what you're gonna do today. We believe that you are in this place. We believe that you're ready to work. We believe that you're ready to move. You're just looking for willing hearts that are gonna say, I'm going all in. And so God, I pray that you work on the hearts of the people that are right here. God, I pray that they not be moved because of something that I say. Um, God, I pray that they not be moved just because of the music alone. God, I pray that they're moved because they sense your presence and your power in their life. And God, I pray that change happens today as a result of all of that. God, we pray your blessings on the rest of the service. We're ready, we're willing, and we wanna see you move. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, I read an interesting story this week, and it was about a 67-year-old man, and he was born without depth perception, okay? Um, apparently, that impacts about 5 to 10% of the population. Essentially, he saw the world in two dimensions instead of three. He wasn't able to distinguish between things that were, were close and things that were far away, which, which made simple tasks like driving and, and catching a ball, even, even just putting toothpaste on your toothbrush, incredibly difficult. Well, in 2012, okay, this 67-year-old man, he decided to go on a date with his wife to a movie called Hugo. Okay, now I've never seen this movie before, but he watched Hugo and he specifically watched Hugo in 3D. And there was something about what happened on the screen that triggered a response in his brain. 
And when he left the theater, get this, okay? I researched this to make sure this was accurate. When he left the theater, he saw a lamppost that was standing out from the distance for the very first time. He saw cars and people that he described as more alive and more vivid than he had ever seen before. He, he noticed trees that, that were different shapes and sizes and distances. That man at 67 years old was completely cured from his problem. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, can you imagine? I've seen some really good movies in my time. Okay, have you seen Toy Story 3? Like it was, it impacted me in a deep way, but nowhere near the way this man experienced deep an impact um, through the movie that he was able to watch and experience. For 67 years, he had experienced something that, that had held him back and made his life more difficult. But in one moment, everything changed. In one unexpected moment, his life was completely different. Let me tell you what's gonna happen today. Some of you came to church today and you weren't expecting very much. Some of you came to church today and, and your thought was, you know what, I'm gonna go to church because church is just what we do on Sundays. You know, we live in the Bible Belt. Uh, this is where we go. This is, this is just part of our routine. Some of you came to church today because your wife dragged you here, okay? Some of you came because your husband dragged you here. Some of your kids got you here. And some of your parents made you come. Listen, I believe that there's some people that are in the room right here right now because they said, you know what, I've got nothing else better to do. I'm an extrovert. I like being around people. I haven't found something else to do, so I'm gonna spend some time at church this week. Let me tell you, whatever got you here, whatever expectations you have of your time in this place, some of you are gonna leave unexpectedly changed forever. Here's the sermon in a sentence today. One moment, this moment can change everything. See, some of your life is gonna be changed because you're gonna encounter Jesus in a way that you've never encountered Jesus before. Some of you are gonna walk out of this place and you are gonna see the world differently than you have ever seen the world before. Some of you, get this, you're gonna go home with wet clothes today because you're gonna follow Jesus straight into the waters of the baptistry and you're gonna get baptized today whether you planned on it or not. Listen, I can't wait. I cannot wait to get into this story with you. Hey, let's pick it up in Acts chapter two, verse 36. Okay, this, this verse is, is the summary and the climax of, of the sermon that Peter has just preached to this crowd full of people. Okay, see, Peter is the same guy who just denied Jesus three times, but at this point, after the death, burial, and resurrection, he's found a boldness, and he's boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus to the crowd of people before him. This is what he says in Acts chapter two, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. See, Peter doesn't hold back in this verse. See, not only does he boldly proclaim his personal faith and belief in Jesus Christ, but he looks at the crowd and he says, you're the ones who crucified him on the cross. He says, listen, don't mistake this. You need to understand this point. God sent Jesus to the world to save the world and you chose to send him to the cross and put him to death. Let me talk to the older people in this room for just a minute, okay? This reminds me of an episode of Andy Griffith, okay? Can, do you know what episode I'm talking about just from this picture? Okay, yeah, quite a few of you do. This is the most gut-wrenching moment on TV, okay? 
What happens is Opie, this little boy in the picture, he gets a slingshot and he shoots this mama bird, okay? He didn't mean to, but he killed this mama bird. And, and so he goes up to his room and his dad is gonna come and he's gonna discipline him. And, and when he comes up there, what he decides to do is just open the window of his room so that he can listen to all of those baby birds chirping for their mom who was never gonna come back home. Man, like talk about a gut punch. But Andy, his dad, he wanted him in that moment to focus on the consequences of his actions. Listen, that's exactly what Peter wants for the crowd before him. You see, he opens the window so that they can come face to face with the truth. He, he wants these people to think about their actions, to, to feel the weight of their consequences in deep, deep way. Listen, depending on how the crowd responds, it's quite possible that this is gonna be the last thing Peter ever says. Okay, this is the same group of people that just killed Jesus. They would not hesitate for a second to kill Peter as well. But God's working on their hearts. And so the Bible tells us that something different happened. And in verse 37, they respond in an unexpected way. This is what it says, Acts 2, 37. It says, when the people heard this, when they heard Peter's message, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You see, not only does Peter persuade their minds, but he, he engages their conscience as well. See, they realize for the very first time, if, if Jesus really is the Messiah, if he really is the savior of the world, there could be no guiltier act than the one they just committed. They crucified the son of God. And so in desperation, they turn to Peter and to the others and they say, what if anything could we possibly do to be made right with God again? Listen, this is the first stop on the roadmap in this story, and it's simply this. It's to understand and respond. To understand what? To understand for you and I that although we were not physically present with Jesus on the day he was crucified, our sin was. Our sin was there. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has violated God's law. Every single one of us has fallen short of God's standards and the Bible calls that sin. Let me give you some examples so this will get personal. It's a sin to look lustfully at a woman or to let anger burn in our heart. It's a sin to covet, covet another person's possessions or to hoard God's gifts selfishly. It's a sin to be lazy. It's a sin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. It's a sin to put anything above God in our heart. It's a sin to lie, it's a sin to cheat, it's a sin to steal, it's a sin to gossip, it's a sin to slander, and it's a sin to deceive. Did I hit everybody yet or should I keep going? <laughs> Listen, that sin in each and every one of our lives separates us from God. Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. We deserve to be separated from God forever. But 1 Peter 2, 24 gives us some good news. It tells us that Jesus paid our debt by carrying our sin in his body on the cross. Let me tell you something, we often like to minimize our sin. And what we do is we call it a mistake or we call it an accident so that it doesn't feel quite as personal or convicting, but get this, we will never respond correctly until we understand deeply the weight of our actions. Listen, when I was a kid, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years old, I was taking out the trash. 
And when I was taking out the trash, I had no idea that there was broken glass in the trash. And so I was carrying this heavy bag and I'm just a little guy, so I'm dragging it along the side of me and and man, it sliced right into my leg, okay? Seven stitches later, okay? My mom and I start heading back to the house and and I'm a wreck, I'm I'm a big baby at that moment, okay? But we get back home and my dad understood that something had happened. He knew that I got hurt. He knew that my mom rushed me to the doctor, but he didn't really understand the details until we got home and explained it was the broken glass in the trash that caused this much pain. And he realized all of a sudden that he was the one that threw the broken glass into the trash. And all of a sudden, his face went like this. I'll never forget the look on his face because he realized that it was his actions that caused me that kind of pain. And all of a sudden, he responded in a completely different way. Let me tell you something, when we understand what our sin caused, when we understand that it was our choices, our actions, our decisions that sent Jesus to the cross, man, we're gonna cry out in desperation like those in the crowd that Peter's talking to. And we're gonna respond by saying, what must I do? How can I fix this? Is there anything I can do to be made right with God again? Listen, whether you're a lifelong card-carrying Christian, or whether this is the first time you've ever heard his name, I want us to sit in that place for just a moment. It's part of the gospel. Recognize the weight of our sin, the weight of our choices, and allow hopelessness and brokenness to stir in our hearts and lead us towards a desperate cry for help. I wish you could see all the names that I have listed in my notes right here because this morning I was was working through this message and God just kept bringing people, teenagers, I've got some of your names on this list. Adults, I've got some of your names on this list where I felt like we just need to sit in this place for a moment so that we can cry out and say, what must I do? What is it that you want from me so that I can can be made right with you again? According to Acts chapter two, the place we start is to understand and respond. Listen, fortunately, Peter doesn't leave us in that place for very long. When the crowd cries out for help, Peter responds in a way that is, is quick and it's surprising and it's, it's better than this crowd could ever hope for. Acts chapter two, verse 38, this is what it says. Peter replied, he replied to the crowd. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, at this point in the story, the crowd would have done anything, right? Like at this point in the story, they said, what can we do? If, if Peter had told him to climb a mountain, they would have started climbing, right? If Peter had told him to grovel at his feet, they would have gotten on the ground and started doing it. If Peter had told him to cut sugar out of their diet, they would not have questioned it. They would have been obedient. But instead, he gives the crowd two clear instructions. The first one is to repent. He says, you're walking in this direction He says, I want you to turn and walk in this direction. I want you to do a 180. I want you to turn away from the world. I want you to turn away from your sin. And I want you to turn towards Jesus. The second thing he says, I want you to be baptized. Listen, that word baptism, it it literally translated means to dip or submerge or immerse. Baptism is the act of going under the water in submission and obedience to Christ. Listen, the water itself doesn't accomplish anything. There is nothing special about the water that we have over here. But there is something supernatural that God chooses to do through our obedience to him in baptism. It's there that he pours out his spirit to live with us forever. 
It's there that he washes away our sin. It's there that he connects us to himself forever. The next verse, Acts 2.39, Peter says this. He says, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. See, Peter's instructions, they were quick and they were surprising and they were really, really helpful, but they were not temporary and they were not exclusive. The invitation that he offers in this chapter is for all people at all times, including us. That's why this became a regularly occurring rhythm in the early church. See, the idea of an unbaptized believer in the Bible doesn't even exist. It was just assumed that if you made a decision to follow Jesus, you would follow up that decision by being baptized. For 2,000 years, baptism has continued to be the visible sign by which those who believe in Jesus repent of their sins and publicly surrender themselves to him. Baptism is part of God's plan for salvation through Jesus Christ. The second stop on the roadmap in this story is this, to repent and be baptized. Turn away from the path that we're on, turn away from our worldly pursuits, turn away from our sin and turn towards Jesus and sprint like we got the entire Georgia defense on our heels. Okay, where's the first place that he wants us to follow him? He wants us to follow him right into the water. Do you have to? That's a question that always comes up when we have a conversation about this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to place that question in the context of this story. Okay, I want you to think about this crowd that Peter's talking to that's cut to the heart. They just realized that, that they crucified the son of God and they're, they're broken on the inside. They're hopeless and desperate. And they say, Peter, what do we have to do so that we can be made right with God again? Peter says, I want you to go get in the water. And they said, eh, I don't know that I wanna do that. I mean, I was thinking something small. You know, I don't, I don't wanna go get in the water. That doesn't make any sense. And if that was the response of the people, would you question their authenticity and that decision to surrender their life to Jesus? Of course you would. Pastor and author Bo Chancey, he says it this way, in the context of baptism, he says, attempts to ascertain the bare minimum requirements for salvation reveal a lack of understanding of lordship. Salvation is only found through Jesus being Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then obedience will follow. Listen, if we're really surrendering our lives to Jesus, it's time to stop asking, what do we have to do? And it's time to start asking, what does Jesus want me to do? If we're not willing to take that first step of obedience, are we really choosing to surrender our lives to Jesus? Baptism is an essential part of obedience and obedience is an essential part of surrender. Think about it this way. Have you ever sold anything on a Facebook yard sale? Anybody? It has turned into the most frustrating thing in the world, hasn't it? Because what happens is you'll post something. It's a $20 item. It's not even a big deal. Somebody will say, I want it. There's like 30 other people in line, but you say, you came first, so I'm gonna let you get it. Let's meet at Kroger at three o'clock. You get there at Kroger at three o'clock. Guess who's not there? They don't show up. Something came up. They weren't really all that interested. And you're left processing through the fact that if they really wanted it, they would have shown up when they said they were gonna be there, wouldn't they? If they don't show up to the place that you agreed to meet them, did they really want the item in the first place? Listen, in our spiritual lives, the question is, is not do I have to, it's not why should I, it's what does Jesus want me to do because I genuinely, 
honestly, with my whole being, I want what Jesus has to offer. Listen, have you ever made the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever made the decision to surrender your life to him? Have you ever made the decision to be obedient to him through baptism? If not, then there is no time like the present. Listen, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you what we're gonna do in just a few moments. In a few moments, we're gonna give you a chance to come forward and accept Jesus and be baptized. What we're asking is that somebody in this room is, is gonna say, I, I came to this place and I wasn't prepared for this. I, I wasn't ready to get baptized today, but I guess I'm going home with wet hair because I see Jesus working and I feel his presence in my life. What we're gonna do is we're gonna call some people to say, I'm coming forward and I'm gonna accept Jesus. I'm gonna be baptized. I was, I was just here because my friend invited me to come, but, but I can feel God stirring in my heart and I wanna go all in with him. We're gonna ask people to step forward and say, listen, I wanna be a follower of Jesus. I've been a follower, but, but I haven't been obedient in this area of what it is he wants me to do. So I'm gonna go get in the water and I'm gonna get right with God for the first time in this area. Maybe you're afraid of the crowd. Maybe you're afraid of what others will think, say, or do. Maybe you're afraid of not knowing enough or not being good enough, but here's what I want for just a few moments. I want us to just put the fear aside and stop complicating something that Jesus intended to be so incredibly simple. He asks us to be faithful and to step out and do this, to be obedient, and we're just gonna do it. We're gonna move, and we're gonna experience him move in a powerful way. Let's keep going in the story while God works on your heart. Let me, let me say this first. If you're feeling God work in your heart right now, because I want you to know, I've, I've prayed over this sermon than, more than any other sermon I've ever preached in my entire life. And I think God's probably working on some hearts right now. I think he's been working on your heart all week, okay? And if you're feeling God work in your heart, I wanna give you permission to ignore everything else I say for the rest of the message. I want you to spend some time doing business with God and preparing to respond. Because what we're gonna talk about next is how the church is gonna respond to your step of faith. And so I just want you spending time with Jesus, getting your heart ready to say, yes, I'll be obedient and I wanna meet you where you've chosen to meet with me. Let's keep going for the rest of us. Acts chapter two, verse 40. It says, with many other words, Peter warned them and he, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You see, Peter said way more in this conversation than the Bible tells us about. We just have a summary of all the things that he said, but we do know that he pleaded with the people. Why did he plead with the people? Well, he pled with them because he knows that this issue matters. He knows that this is a big deal. This isn't a conversation where everybody walks away happy. This is a do or die moment where people are separated from the love of Jesus Christ and they need to surrender their life to him. Through his pleading, people begin to respond. How many do you think responded to this message? Okay, five, 10. I'd be pretty pumped if 10 people respond to that kind of a message. What about 25? That would be huge, right? Tells us that even more responded. Acts 2.41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people heard the truth and they stepped out in faith. Just like that, in one moment, 3,000 people responded by giving their life to Jesus. Can you imagine how chaotic that must have been? I mean, do you realize how long it would take to baptize 3,000 people? Do you realize how late they were gonna be to lunch? 
you realize how inconvenient it was gonna be for them to go home with wet clothes? But listen, they didn't care because they knew what they needed to do and so they did it. So the third stop for those in the church coming straight from this story is that we would do this, that we would celebrate and we would grow. Our church is so good at this, y'all. Our church is so good at this. We're growing because people are coming to know Jesus and they're getting baptized and we celebrate every single one of those. We have a list on our staff hallway of all the people that have been baptized this year. We often talk about it when our elders meet to pray. We spend time praying that more people would come to know Jesus and make the decision to surrender their life to him and be baptized. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of churches that celebrate this well, but I have never seen a crowd erupt like you guys do. It doesn't matter if we got 15 baptisms, you're gonna stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, and cheer for every single one of them because you know this is a big deal and we love celebrating people that make this decision. I want you to watch this video of some of those celebrations that we've had over the past year and a half right here at this church. Listen, 
We have seen God move before, and we are going to see God move again. This is going to be the moment that somebody's life changes forever. And I want you to know whether it's three people or 3,000 people, this group of people is ready to celebrate the decision that you make for Jesus Christ. Am I right? But here's what I know, okay? Here's what I know. At this moment, okay, we've got people in this room that are saying, I can't do this. He's not talking to me because I didn't come prepared for this. Listen, we didn't even tell you we were doing this and we did it on purpose, okay? This is a moment where you may say, I don't have a, clothes, a change of clothes. I can't possibly do that. We got shorts, we got t-shirts, uh, we got changing rooms. Um, even better, we've got an opportunity for you to go right into the water with what you're wearing right now. We'll give you a towel so that you can take it home and put it in your car, okay? That's not an issue. Some of you are sitting there right now and you're thinking, but I can't because my family's not here. Like they need time to be prepared so they can get here. And, and that's great. There's something powerful that happens when a family can come together and celebrate this moment. But I want to challenge you. This moment isn't about your family. This moment is about you and it's about Jesus Christ. We'll record it. All you gotta do is email us. We will clip that. We will send it to you. You guys can watch popcorn and watch it every single day of the week for the next month. Okay, you've got an opportunity to do that. Listen, maybe you're still scared of, of what people are gonna think. We just showed you what people are gonna think. They're gonna celebrate the decision that you make. I want you to know I brought a change of clothes because I have more faith in what Jesus is about to do than I do on the waders that I'm about to wear in the water, okay? But here's what I'm gonna do. On the count of three, I'm gonna get down off this stage and I'm going to the water. I'm gonna head right down this way. These doors right here go straight to the baptistry and I'm asking you if God is working on your heart if you feel him tugging, if you feel like there's something not right, if you feel like he wants you to take this step of faith, don't hesitate, don't wait, get up, go to the water, and let's celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. You ready to move? One, two, three. Y'all, let's go. Stand up. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.